Today we're going to talk about juice and how to use it to get the perfect game feel. Hey, how's it going, everyone? I hope that you are doing well. Welcome to the 28th episode of the Game Dev Field Guide. I am your host, Zaccavelli. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at underscore Zaccavelli underscore and on Twitch um, at just Zaccavelli underscore. We also have an open community Discord. Um, I'll leave the open invite link in the show notes. It's kind of how we uh, interact together as a community and where a good portion of content and opportunity to learn game dev is, so I would encourage you to go check that out. Speaking of opportunities to get better as a game dev, the monthly game jam number three has just started uh, last week by the time you're listening to this. The theme is sequel, so it should be pretty interesting to see what games come out of that I think there will be a lot of submissions that are kind of revamps of some ideas that people maybe made in the first two months um, and gives them a good chance to improve. So I'm excited to see the games from that. The second monthly jam just wrapped up and we got a lot of reviews and ratings. So I know that everyone, including me, got a lot of value out of submitting to that and learning from feedback. And yeah, it was super fun. So if you're looking for a way to get better at game dev through practice, I would highly, highly recommend the Game Dev Field Guide Monthly Game Jam. And I have one more announcement, and it's actually a pretty big announcement. Um, This technically is the one-year anniversary episode of the Game Dev Field Guide. A year ago, I started this podcast, and honestly, I didn't know if anyone would be interested or if anyone would listen. I half expected to maybe put out three episodes and see if anyone cared, and maybe that was going to be the end of that. And really, I thought that was probably a, a high likelihood of that happening. But to my amazement over the last year... Um, our, our community and the podcast has grown so much, and I've met a lot of really cool people. I myself have gotten better at being a game dev, and I've seen a lot of people firsthand improve. And so whether this is your first episode you've ever listened to or you've listened to all 28, I just want to say thank you, and uh, here's to another year. Let's keep it going. Speaking of keeping things going... Um, This is something we discussed on the Discord probably a few months ago, but it was whether or not I should get a Patreon. And I have decided to go ahead and make a Patreon for the Game Dev Field Guide um, with the guidance of the discussion we had on the Discord. What I learned from our discussion on the Discord is that most people just wanted a way to directly support the show. They weren't really interested in any premium content or, I guess, behind-the-scenes stuff of that nature. But... If I was going to make a Patreon, I did want to give something back while at the same time keeping all of the content free. So what I've decided to do is add an extra episode uh, per month that is supported by the patrons. It will be a bonus episode that has a floating date. That way I can fit it into my schedule whenever I have time in the month. And the bonus episode will have a bit of a different format, uh, but the core purpose of bringing you actionable advice as it relates to game dev 
will be the same. I just want to explore some new ideas. So if you become a patron, um, in addition to directly supporting the show, you're also supporting new content that everyone gets. And then I added some other stuff that uh, I just thought would be cool for the patrons to have. For instance, there is an exclusive poll that will allow them to pick the topic of one of the normal episodes per month. So we'll just do a poll right on Patreon, and I'll have like a pool of episode topics, and then, yeah, I'll let you guys vote and decide one of those. That way you have a little bit of agency on the show and can kind of influence what topics we cover on a month-to-month basis. So in summary, if you're looking for a way to directly support the show, support more content for everyone, and guide the direction of certain episodes, please go to Patreon slash GDFG. I will leave a link for it in the show notes. And with that, let's jump over to the Game Dev Challenge. The Game Dev Challenge is the part of the show where I provide a prompt for everyone to weigh in on and kind of sharpen their game dev skills. Really, it's just to help get your mind moving and kind of practice those mental reps of game design, Um, Sometimes it's literal reps, like if we do an art challenge. Um, But this one happened to be a game design challenge. And the prompt was, Give an example of a boss battle in one of your favorite games that is a creative test of the player's mastery of the mechanics and not just a test of memorization. If you remember, in last episode we talked about boss battles and the difference between the player mastering the mechanics and the player memorizing mechanics and how you can kind of design better boss battles. And this is a style of prompt, I guess, where you analyze some of your favorite games and see what makes them tick and see what makes them good um, that I really think there's a lot of value in because it gives you a chance to learn and kind of design with the same philosophy as some of the best games, some of your favorite games. So I really like this style of challenge, and spoiler alert, the challenge later in this episode will also be in this format. And the winner of the episode 27 game dev challenge is Snackob. And Snackob actually had a really introspective and unique post and a unique take on the boss battle sort of idea. So let me uh, paraphrase it for you, and uh, yeah, let's just jump right into it. Snackhub starts the post by saying that they've been thinking about what makes a boss encounter, and specifically a non-conventional boss encounter, what makes it good or what it is. And what Snackhub says is that the way they think about non-conventional boss encounters is just as larger challenges or hurdles in gameplay that, as we talked about, challenge the player's skill and doesn't rely too much on memorization. Snackob's example, which I think is a really unique and cool example, is from the game Kerbal Space Program. If you don't know what Kerbal Space Program is, it's sort of a... Imagine if you had to, like, actually design those SpaceX rockets, and it's a bit of, like, a management and sim game where you design the rockets and you try and, like, get into orbit. That's <laughs> that's the best I could ever do. Um, But people go real crazy. They'll fly like all the way to Pluto or something. But you actually have to do all of the engineering um, to a certain degree, of course. It's kind of video game-ified. But there's a lot of physics and a lot of real-world math. And, yeah, it's kind of fun. It kind of breaks down the aerospace engineering, I guess, into a video game version that is still actually very difficult um, and very charming and very fun. Here was Snackob's thoughts on 
the sort of non-conventional bosses in Kerbal Space Program. Snackob says, for new players, landing on either the moon or Minmus, it's actually spelled Mun in Minmus, which I think is what they're just called in Kerbal Space Program, um, is a huge milestone. Snackob says that they see Kerbal Space Program as more akin to Shadow of the Colossus, where the whole solar system is just bosses, um, with each planet kind of representing a different boss, each with their own quirks and challenges. Each one offers a sort of distinct challenge that comes with a sense of accomplishment and wonder for the first time you're able to touch down your craft uh, without crashing it. And so in a way, because each one is a momentous challenge and comes with a huge amount of accomplishment and it's kind of the key milestones of the game that test the player's skill and not their memorization of the controls, for instance, each planet really is a boss, a non-conventional boss. And I thought that was such a cool take on the prompt. And Snackob is absolutely right. Landing your first craft on the moon or moon is a perfect test of kind of the first things you learn in Kerbal Space Program about exiting Earth's orbit and getting into an orbit of another planet, or I guess moon, and then landing and having the right, like, velocity vectors. And then I think in the future, you know, each next planet comes with a new challenge that kind of builds on the challenge of landing on the previous body, I guess. And so, yeah, this post really just got my mind going about non-conventional bosses and how really most challenges in a good game are tests of the player's skill that slowly build up on each other along the arc of the game. So yeah, maybe just something to think about if you are making sort of a non-traditional style game with non-traditional boss encounters, like maybe you're making a puzzle game or something like that. You can still think about the key challenges as boss encounters, and I think it's very helpful actually to do so. So yeah, congrats to Snackob for the excellent post for the episode 27 game dev challenge for episode 28 and this is going to be a similar prompt but again i think this is an important and i think the whole episode today is going to be a really important and good episode Um, but if you were to pick one game dev challenge for the whole year i think this one would really help you it's identify subtleties that made a huge difference in a game feel in one of your favorite games. Later in this episode, we're going to talk about juice, so maybe you want to identify juice techniques, I guess you could say, that really elevated a game's game feel. And I think if you can identify these, um, that's the first step to learning how to match them. And if you can match them, then you can really nail the game feel of your games. So yeah, for this game dev challenge, just think about your favorite games, think about the subtle things, the juice, the game feel, how it all relates to each other, and write a post in the uh, Discord under the Game Dev Challenge channel. And with that, let's jump over to the body of the episode. Today's episode is about game feel. You might see uh, game feel and the term juice thrown around online. And I think these two terms are actually describing two different things, but they're very related, but they're two distinctly different things. And a lot of times online, people uh, use them interchangeably. But I'm going to make the case today that they're actually two 
related but different things. Game feel to me is one of those nebulous things that's hard to describe, but anyone who plays a game can tell the difference between a game with good game feel and a game with bad game feel almost instantly. It's one of those things that just sticks out when it's bad, and when it's good, it's just good. Sometimes you don't even notice it, although sometimes you're playing a game and it just feels like buttery smooth and good. But the point is, bad game feel really sticks out, so it's something you want to avoid. Juice, to me, is the techniques and tricks you use to get a good game feel. And so now that we got the terms down, let's go in-depth a little bit more about each of the kind of terms we just talked about. First, let's start with game feel. If I had to describe good game feel, I would say that a game with good game feel is a joy to interact with. It would be a game that would be fun to interact with even if everything outside of the interaction was taken out. A shooter with good game feel is fun even in an empty space with nothing to shoot at. A platformer with good game feel is fun even with no platforms to jump on. A driving game with good game feel is fun to drive even when you're not going anywhere. An excellent example to me is Mario 64 which is regarded as sort of the father of 3D platforming and, in my opinion, is one of the most important games of all time. It was directed by the legendary game director Shigeru Miyamoto, and I think Shigeru Miyamoto understood game feel to a level that professionals even today still don't have a grasp on. Of course, they're, they're good, but Miyamoto was just next level when it comes to a lot of video game stuff and game dev stuff, but game feel especially. And I just realized in my notes I'm kind of talking about Miyamoto as if he's passed away or retired. He is older, but he's still working on games um, and still very high up in Nintendo. Uh, So I think he's probably got a few more classics to go before he calls it quits. And uh, yeah, I hope he works for as long as he wants to, but I hope it's a long time because he's just one of the greats and it's good for the industry to have a minute. But anyways, I wanted to talk about Mario 64's development. There's a story about Mario 64 about how the controls were basically complete before any of the levels of Mario 64 were made. They essentially had one level, which was just a garden that was basically a testing ground, and for a large portion of the development, all they focused on were the physics and control of Mario. If you've ever played Mario 64, you know how good the game feel is in that game. Mario has the perfect balance of weighty bounciness mixed with precise control. And although by modern day standards, um, maybe the camera's a little wonky, I still think it was a monumentous and sort of pivotal moment in game design uh, as it was the first 3D platformer and it was executed so well for being the first of its kind. Essentially what Miyamoto understood was exactly what I said earlier. (laughs) And I make it sound like I'm giving him advice. He understood this way before I was even born, but a platforming game with good game feel is a joy to interact with and play even when there is only one flat garden level in this case. And what I personally learned from this is I adapted this style to my own game development plan. The first thing I try to nail is the game feel. For instance, in my most recent game, Power Slide Grand Prix, 
which was my entry for the Game Dev Field Guide Monthly Game Jam number two last month, I tried to make a racing game with an emphasis on drifting and power slides. I think the best part of my game was the game feel when it comes to the driving and power sliding around corners, and that thought is backed up based on the feedback that I got from people who played my game. It felt good to get that feedback because, like I said, I adapted my game development plan to kind of emulate what I learned from the Mario 64 story, and I worked for a long time at first with literally just an elongated cube that represented the car and a flat plane, and I just messed around with Unity's physics system and the controls to get a cube that represented a car that would power slide and drift and feel just right. I swear I test drove that car like thousands of times on a flat plane for two or three days, just barely tweaking the physics and controls until I felt like the car was fun to drive, even though I really didn't have anything other than a flat plane to drive on. And I haven't talked about the golden rule of game dev in some time, but as you know, if you've listened to all the episodes, I always try to focus on evoking a feeling or feelings when I'm designing. And on my little scratch piece of paper, I wrote down two words for the feelings I was trying to evoke. Those two words were momentum and slingshot. We will talk about momentum later uh, in the juice section, but first let's talk about slingshot. And <laughs> I know you're thinking slingshot's not really an emotion or feeling that someone has, but I meant more like the kind of physics of a slingshot or how a slingshot feels. I was trying to describe how I wanted the elastic feeling to the car as it went around corners. I wanted the first half of the turn to feel like pulling the slingshot back and the second half of the turn to be the quick snap and jolt forward. To get that jolt forward, I decided to add a boost, which I think really completed the feel and enjoyment of driving. And it ended up working exactly how the feeling I was trying to evoke. You had to slow down and control the car into a nice drift slide around the first part of the corner, and then once you got around that corner for the second part of the turn, you could boost out of the turn, which was like emulating letting go of the slingshot and snapping forward. I feel like evoking and chasing the slingshot idea really contributed heavily to my game's feel. And designing it in the way that I did with the flat plane um, allowed me to really focus and get this nailed down so that no matter what, I had a fun and good game feel as a baseline for my game. Interestingly enough, one of the criticisms um, I got in the feedback was about how the car would behave when hitting walls. The walls would kind of have a tendency to spin the car around, and the physics don't feel as tight and consistent as they do when you're just normally driving. I think this was due to the fact that when I was dialing in the physics, I just had a flat plane and didn't test it as much crashing into stuff which is an oversight for sure, and in a normal project, I would just fix that, uh, you know, by just crashing into the walls a bunch and feeling it out. But it was a game jam, and time was limited, and a second test of the physics just fell too far down the polish list before I ran out of time. So, yeah, I just thought that was an interesting case, and I think that further supports the idea of making sure that you get the feel right at the beginning and you can definitely see the things in the end product that I focused heavily on in the beginning 
and some of the things that I just kind of added in throughout in terms of the difference in game feel. So anyways, when you think about game feel and getting it right for your games, um, keep that tip in mind about designing in an empty level, and I think that's one of the things that takes the quality and fun of your games to the next level. Honestly, that idea I think is really a top three piece of advice from the Game Dev Field Guide. So I'd encourage you to really try and adapt that design philosophy and technique into your projects. And let me know if that really helps, because I think it really will help improve the game feel of your games. Next, let's talk about juice. Remember, juice is those specific things and often subtle things that we add to improve the game feel. There are probably millions of forms of juice, and it's often very project-specific, but I want to talk about a category that I think works for most projects, um, and that category is feedback. These categories I'm going to talk about I just made up in my head because I like to categorize stuff. So you might not, like if you Google feedback juice, I, I don't know what you're going to get <laughs> if you Google feedback juice. But just try and think about juice when it comes to game dev in these similar sort of categories or any category you want to think about them in. But I think it helps to identify them as to what their purpose is. So feedback to me, I think feedback is the most common form of juice and really all feedback means is that you are letting the player know that they are interacting with the game. Classic example of this is having enemies flash when you hit them. You can look at old school beat-em-up games for examples of this. It's a small and subtle thing but it improves the game feel as the player is given an additional stimuli when they're connecting an attack with an enemy. Another thing you could add is for instance, controller rumble. Um, this is more feedback that literally improves the feel of the attack when you feel the rumble in your hands through the controller. You could also add a nice crunchy sound effect, and all of a sudden you went from a not very interesting or engaging attack to one that is crunchy, rumbly, and flashes. I think feedback is simple but incredibly effective method for juicing your game and it literally can be applied to anything. Even clicking buttons in the UI um, can have feedback and it can make navigating menus way better. Just think about all the clicks and beeps that the Virtual Boy wrist computer makes in Fallout. It's very subtle, but it really improves what is essentially clicking through a bunch of boring menus. Let's talk about another category of juice that I just totally made up, which is, uh, what should I call it? Maybe perception or presentation. This category is where you would put things that are mostly visual stimuli. This might be things like a big explosion animation with lots of particles, light trails on flying objects to indicate speed and direction. You could maybe argue that screen shake, for instance, is a combination of presentation and feedback categories. Screen shake is a classic form of juice and there are whole articles and talks about just screen shake alone. Uh, but I think the core reason it's popular is because it works like instant juice. It literally improves just about any game with action in it. Of course, you have to use it in moderation. Like, if you go too crazy with it, you might give someone, like, nausea. But a good, subtle amount of screen shake used in moderation can really improve a 2D game and it's not something you have to like think too hard about. 
like I said, <laughs> screen shake is like instant juice that literally improves anything. And I'm only like kind of half joking. I would be willing to try screen shake on any 2D game just to see how it feels and just to see if it improves the way your game feels. Earlier in this episode, I talked about my project uh, for the monthly game jam. And I talked about how I wanted to evoke the feeling of momentum. Remember, those were one of my two words. It was slingshot and momentum. I thought about momentum in a very specific way. I wanted to replicate the jolt and speed you feel when you're on like a bullet train or one of those magnetically driven roller coasters. How I achieved this in Power Slide Grand Prix uh, was actually sort of like an optical illusion or visual effect. When the player holds the boost button, I actually make it so the camera increases its field of view over a short time. This gives the illusion and look of a sort of jolt or momentum building feel because the world kind of warps on the outside of your vision, um, just like it seems to do in real life. Increasing the field of vision kind of gives like a, I don't know how to explain it, like a hyperspace or tunneling effect where it simultaneously draws the focus to the center of the screen and blurs the outside, which of course makes you feel like you're gaining momentum or like you're on a bullet train. I made sure to make it so that the camera moves quick to the wider field of view and slowly comes back to further replicate the momentum and feel of a bullet train. Or, for instance, a roller coaster. The specific roller coaster, if you've ever been to Cedar Point in, I think that's in Ohio, they have a roller coaster there called Top Thrill Dragster that I think it like goes like 120 miles per hour in like, I don't know, it feels like two seconds. But I also tried to replicate on the way back down, it sort of like easily breaks back. So it snaps quick to momentum and then it kind of easily breaks down. And so that was my specific experience that I was trying to replicate. And it's funny because this was actually a last-minute decision. It was kind of an idea I had, and I just put it in my polish notes. Um, and I'm glad that it was high enough up on the polish list that I included it because I think it easily 10 xed the game feel of driving in Power Slide Grand Prix. Had I had more time, I think I might have experimented with a blur effect on the outer parts of the screen just to sell the illusion even more. But I guess my whole point of this is that Visual tricks and presentation, as it relates to the category of juice, can be extremely powerful and good for improving the feel of your game uh, for comparatively not that much extra work. And so I only talked about two made-up categories of juice, and like I said earlier, there's literally millions of techniques for juicing your games, and I'm sure there are a lot more made-up categories I could make or you could make. And it's definitely something I would like to revisit again in a future episode. I might even do like a segment about specifically juice. Like, it'd be kind of cool to visit in a juice technique every episode or... <laughs> I don't know if I should commit to that, but a juice technique like every now and then and just review it. I think that could be a really cool idea. And maybe that's something I'll put in the bonus episode that's supported by the patrons. Again, just to be clear, the bonus episode will be free for everyone. It's just 
supported, I guess, financially by the patrons. So yeah, I think that could be a cool segment. Will someone come up with a cool name for it and post it in the Discord? I like alliteration, so it's got to be like some kind of double J alliteration or something. One of you, guys, you guys are creative. Someone will think of something cool. Also, another good opportunity to explore uh, juice and games is to participate in this episode's Game Dev Challenge. Of course, we do that on the Discord. So think about juice in some of your favorite games and kind of the techniques and tricks that really improve the game feel and go talk about that on a post in the Game Dev Challenge. So we covered a lot today, and we threw around a lot of terms and some kind of new ideas. So let's just kind of summarize it quickly here. Game feel and juice are used online interchangeably, uh, but are actually describing two related but different things, in my opinion. Game feel is exactly what it sounds like, and it just means how much fun it is to interact with your game. A game with good game feel feels nice even when there is nothing to do in the game other than control the character, navigate the menus, etc. It's one of those things where it can be subtle uh, when done well, and sometimes it can be very obvious when done well and it feels very good, but if it's bad, it will stick out like a sore thumb. When you are making a game, it can be really helpful to try and start by nailing the feeling of your game. Do this by starting with an empty level and just focusing on the player's interaction with whatever they will be controlling. So if you're making a shooter, just focus on the shooting controls, the recoil, the aim down sights, how the gun swings from left to right. If it's a platformer, focus on how you control the character, how the character kind of bounces around on the ground, how their momentum is slowed down by friction. Really focusing on things like that and getting it right from the beginning, make sure that you have some kind of baseline or like a core level of game feel. And this will be like the floor of your game. Like no matter what, even if your level design is really bad, at least your game feel is super nice and you can kind of coast on that. Of course, you want good level design to show off the good game feel, but that's a topic for another episode. In this stage where you kind of have a blank level and you're figuring things out and how it should feel, guide your development by trying to capture and evoke specific feelings. This is, of course, my golden rule for game dev. If you do this, if you focus on capturing a specific feeling and really work hard on nailing the game feel from the start, even in an empty level, I promise that is something that will really, really improve the game feel of your game and improve the quality and fun of your games overall. And I truly believe that that is some of the best advice I've ever given on the show. And so, yeah, I would really encourage you to heed that advice and Tell me if it works for you. Go try it in the next monthly game jam um, and tell me if it really does work for you. I think it really will help you. Remember that we also talked about juice. Juice, as I defined it, is all the little tips and tricks that improve the game feel. I like to categorize stuff in my head, so remember that I put juice in like different categories, but you don't have to do this. But the biggest category of juice in my mind is feedback. This is basically anything that lets the player know that they are interacting with the game in some way. Examples of this are enemies flashing when hit, controller rumble, distinct sound clips. These are all forms of feedback. 
More feedback is almost always better and a good way to improve game feel. Stack those kinds of juices together to make a game that is satisfying to interact with. Another subcategory that we talked about was presentation. Remember that the way you present things on screen can go a long way in improving the feel and when you're trying to evoke certain feelings. This can be things like light trails that subtly indicate speed and direction, particle effects that convey the force of an explosion, animations that sell the weight of an attack. A classic example of presentation, and you could probably also argue feedback, is screen shake, and it's used in a lot of games because it's basically instant juice. Of course, you can overdo it with screen shake, but I think it's good for just about any action game, and I would love to see it experimented with in other games. Don't forget about using camera tricks to convey a feeling as a form of juice. An example I used was increasing the field of view to give the sense of momentum to the player when they were boosting. Lastly, remember that there are tons of forms of juice out there and lots of clever tricks used in games today. So what you should do is learn how to use this juice by going out and analyzing how it's done in other games. The Game Dev Challenge might be a good opportunity for that. Juice is one of those insider tips and tricks um, that can really take your game to the next level. And I think if you really focus on juice and how other games use juice to improve their overall game feel, you can learn a lot and kind of steal some of the insider tips and tricks uh, from AAA games and stuff and figure out how do they do it, and then you can kind of emulate that in your own games. I have been saving this topic specifically for the one-year anniversary uh, episode just because I think it's fitting that the one-year anniversary episode be an episode that I hope is jam-packed with advice that I think will really take your game dev skill to the next level. If you want to get a hold of me on Instagram or Twitter, you can find me at underscore Zaccavelli underscore. Uh, I am streaming on Twitch. I haven't really picked the schedule yet, but I try and do like 50-50 education to entertainment. Um, that's Twitch slash Zaccavelli underscore. Don't forget about the Game Dev Field Guide monthly game jam. Um, it's not too late to jump into March's game jam. The theme and modifier is sequel. And lastly, I am starting a Patreon for the Game Dev Field Guide. If you want to support content for everyone and just generally support the show and maybe even guide uh, some of the regular episodes into what kind of topics we cover, if that's something you're interested in, please consider uh, subscribing to a tier. I will leave a Patreon link in the show notes. With that, I'm going to sign off. I have been Zachavelli. Don't forget to plug in your Rumble Pack, and I'll see you guys next time.